Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Battlefield Show. I am Scott Gibson, your Commander-in-Chief, guiding you through the battlefield of life. You know what you're here for. No more messing about. Stick the tape in. Hit the track. Onwards! Episode 10, we're back, Battlefield show, Ep- t- double figures, Disney, it's mad to think that 10 weeks ago I started doing this podcast, when I've been wanting to do it for fucking years, and here we are, 10 episodes in, thank you as always everyone who listened, who got in touch, bloody bloody blah, if you haven't listened, you're a fucking piece of shit, go back and listen to the other episodes, um, fucking, yeah man, get on board, what a week, I have never been so happy to be home in my fucking life, um, I was in Edinburgh, no I wasn't in Edinburgh, I fucking live in it, I'm in Edinburgh now, I was in Birmingham for five days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, five days, And fuck me, it was, uh, no, I'm doing, doing Christmas gigs, right, I was doing the, the Glee Comedy Club in Birmingham, which is my favourite of the Glees, um, obviously more than happy to play any of the other fantastic clubs they have, is, is it my favourite, it's split between that and Cardiff, Cardiff is always a good gig as well, because it's the whole Celtic thing, you know, they get the Scottish a bit more, and um, anyway, in there for five nights, um, eight gigs over five nights, all of them Christmas gigs, meaning that it's in the Christmas period and it's full of Christmas work parties. So, 
Most comedians, every single year, we will sit in green rooms and we'll all say the same fucking bullshit. We'll all say, next year, I'm going to get my shit together and I'm not doing Christmas nights out because they're, they're no fun, right? Usually they're no fun because most of the people in the room, they don't want to be there, you know? They want to be getting fucking drunk and they want to try and batter into each other. They've been sitting in an office all year, sexual tension building, listening to how somebody's girlfriend doesn't treat them right, somebody's husband doesn't treat them right, and they're thinking, at the Christmas party, Sandra, I'm going to make my move. And then they've got to sit and listen to people do comedy, and, and usually what happens is it's big groups, because it's usually big, big works nights out. And out of the maybe group of... 50, 60, there was a group of 110 in one night, man, fuck me, I mean, that's like a quarter of the room is just one works party, but one or two people in that group will enjoy comedy, probably on the telly, or they maybe went to a comedy club once, and because they know they're getting their dinner, and they're getting a show, so they're contained in one room for three and a bit hours, a lot of business will be like, fucking brilliant, that's, that's us, that's, that's it done. We'll, we'll get them there, they're stuck in this room, they'll get fed, we'll give them a drink, and then after that they can all go and do what they want, and that is our duty as a business done for the Christmas night out, right? So one person's out of comedy, and the other 119 couldn't give a fuck about comedy. So you've got to get through that, do you know what I mean? And it's very rarely is it fun, but this time, I think possibly this is the first year ever. It's definitely the first year that I can remember for a while where everybody who's been on the bill is some of the nicest people that you could work with because there are some of the most vile, disgusting pieces of shit that work in comedy. And now, when you get to a certain point, our gig is the green room, if that makes sense. You know, we're effectively going to work when we go and do the show. So you want people that you can have a good a good chat way. It's no, you know, it's no all going to be about comedy. Sometimes you'll see people in a lineup, and you think, "Fuck, it's just going to be, who does that gig? Who's doing that gig? How are they?" It's going to be awful. But when you get a group of people who you know, you get a good bit of chat way, good bit of banter, have a laugh. It makes it so much easier. And I was, I was lucky that I was on with some of the most amazing acts, man. Carl Donnelly, Eleanor Tiernan. Well, the three of us there the whole week, uh, Marlon Davis was on Wednesday and Thursday, and then Neil Delamere was on uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and just what a fucking, what a group of people, man, just amazing. Not not one bad show, not one death amongst any of us the whole night. Um, uh, it was good, it was good. It's, it's probably the easiest Christmas run that I've had so far. Um but it was, it was nice, man. It was nice. Only thing, being away from home for five nights was fucking brutal, man. Miss, I miss the missus too much. I don't like being away from my missus now. That's it. There was a time when I used to love travelling. You go Sometimes on the tour, you'd be away for like three weeks at a time. And it was great. Whereas now, two nights is my maximum, man. If, I, if I'm away from my own bed and the missus and the dog, and Nicky that fucking Eric, even though he's been a wee cunt today, just miss home too much, man. So... It was nice, and we did quite a bit. Um, your old dad went ice skating. It was. It felt like a stag do the first couple of days. That's what fucking Donnelly was saying. We went to. We found out about this place. Birmingham's quite a cool city, man. Right? It's one of those places where you you turn the corner, 
and you see an old building, like an old part of the city, you think that's fucking beautiful, man. And you literally turn your head 90 degrees and you could be presented with one of the most brutal scenes of poverty and fucking just despair in the planet. It's, a, it's an odd city that it, it, never, it never allows you to feel as if you're in a fancy bit, if that makes sense. You're always kind of on edge. And, and I like that. I don't know if it's a glass, you know, you're kind of fucking, oh, here we, here we fucking go. But it's cool, man. And it's good to be with people who have been uh, in the city a lot. I am very bad at whenever I'm gigging away, I stick to kind of touristy bits or I stick to close to the hotel so I know where I'm going. I might go to the cinema to kill some time or just go in a shopping centre because you know you can get a coffee and fucking kill time, right? But there were people who knew the city, so we went to this kind of cool bit down in Digbeth, I think it is. I think that's kind of the hipstery bit. And we found this place. Well, we told about this place that does uh, baseball, you know, the batting cages. Now, everybody's seen them in films, right? Everybody's seen them in a movie and you've went, I fucking want a shot of the batting cage. And I've always wanted a shot at a batting cage. So we went to the batting cage. 25 bangers for half an hour, which seemed a bit steep at the time. And I remember thinking, right, are we all going to get a cage each? Or are we just going to share a cage? We're like, we'll just share a cage between the three of us and see how we go on. Fuck me. Again, it's one. Baseball is like darts or snooker in the sense that you watch it and you think, that's a piece of piss. Do you know what I mean? We've all watched snooker and went, any cunt can play snooker. And then you go to play snooker and you're like, what? Misread. Capital of France. It's it's the most... And it's the same with baseball, right? It's fucking hard, man. It's not like rounders at school. It's hard. And these balls were... They weren't even baseballs. They were kind of like a version of a softball. But, I mean, it was fast enough. Once again, your old dad had get the fucking wrong grip, Right? Um, and it wasn't until the very last shot that I actually changed my grip and got my grip proper and then started smacking the fuckers at the park. So I, I I stand by the fact if I had my grip right, I'd have been knocking zingers for day one. It's the same time when I went shooting. I, fuck, I need to shoot left-handed because I can't close my left eye. I can only close my right eye. So I was like, Paul, fucking miles away, Paul, missing. And the guy's like, I think you might uh, be left-handed, but I can tell you, mate, I'm right-handed. I think you may have to shoot left-handed. And then put it on in the left hand. Ba-boom, ba-boom. So it was like that. But it was fun, man. It was fun. And uh, again, another thing, fucking knackering. Absolutely knackering. We're doing like five minutes on, right? And then next guy up, next guy up, and then five. So we got about two runs each. And there's like 20-odd balls to fucking rattle through. Fuck me, swinging a miss, man, is tiring. You can understand now where these baseball guys are just fucking arses like pincushions, just full of steroids. Because you just want to step up, fuck the ball right out the stadium, and then casually walk around, sit back in your ass, collect a hundred million dollars. <laughs> Why would you be trying to swing and a miss, swing and a miss, swing and a miss, knackered, knackered, where you can just pump your fucking bum cheeks full of steroids and then absolutely send it into orbit. That's what you should do. So we did baseball. I can't even remember the name of the place. It's cool. It's just like a... a, a imagine a car garage. Do you know what I mean? Like a fucking... A warehouse. Painted black. Few baseball players. Nice wee bar. Shit, that was cool. It was cool, man. It, it did make me think I, w- I would like to go and do the actual... 
baseball, like the real cages where they fire the actual balls at you. There's also a bit me, I think I'd want to fucking turn around, like just take it in the chest or take one in the chops. See what that was like. It was good fun, man. And anyway, ice skating as well, uh, mixing in with the Waynes. I'm always conscious about going ice skating because I'm a size 12, right? So they just, whenever you say a size 12 and you hand your shoes over, they fucking look at you as if you've just shot yourself, right? And you've handed the guy like a full fucking job. He goes, this is my baby. It's the same when I go to buy shoes in a shop. I go, have you, uh, um, I'm looking at these, uh, the Air Force Ones, because it's the only trade I'm worth buying. And if you buy any other shoe this Christmas, you're a fucking idiot. Air Force Ones is the most comfortable shoe you'll ever see in your life. <laughs> the only wee person comes over going, uh, can I get them in a size for you? Go, I have them in a size 12. And their face, it's as if they, they've seen the ring. The face on the cunt. A 12? There are people with big feet hen. Sorry I'm not a size 7 like most of the fucking little wee tossers that are in this shop. I apologise for developing into an actual human man, a full-size man. Yes, a 12. And they go, oh, I need, I need to go and check. I also love it when they come back and say, um, we've got them in a 10, do you want to try them on? Well, I would just say 10 then. Would I know? Uh, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't do this to anybody else. No deal else can go, what size of shoe do you take? I'm an 8. You want, listen, we've got a 5. You want to try a 5? No, hen, because I'm an 8. Same way, if I say a 12 and you offer me a 10, I'm not going to take... What am I going to do? Just try the one go, you're never going to believe this. My feet have shrunk overnight. So I says to this guy, I went, uh, I take a 12, mate. He went, a 12? I went, yeah, a 12. A t- 12? I went, he's broken. I've broken. I've asked the same question twice and he, he's, he's starting to shut down. So then he comes back with these fucking giant blades. And off we go. And I have not been ice skating in easily... Easily 10 years. Easily. And uh, I was like a duck to water, man. It all came flooding back. Double axle, triple axle, fucking... (laughs) The only thing I can ever do, I, I could skate fast in a straight line and then do a wee shh at the end. That's the only thing I could do, a wee shh. That was it. And even when I was young, I was about fucking... I think there was an age when I was about 12 up to 18, 19, when I was a stone in weight for every year old I was. Now, these are my rugby days, right, when... You know, be at, I mean, at the peak of my fitness, I was about 18, 19 when I was the fittest I've ever been in my life. And I think I was about 18 and a half, 19 stone. And I was a fucking machine, man. Oh, a fucking machine. But you imagine being 14 year old, 14 stone, you know, six foot on the button. Fucking skating flat out. <laughs> Everybody thinks, he's going to get into the barrier. He's going to take his out. And then right in the last second, just a wee minimal spray. It's not like skiing, right? You don't want to fucking... Shower cunts and snow. You just want a wee, a wee tiny fucking spray, Ooh. and then you just step off. And the cunt want a fucking Bacardi and Coke. <laughs> Bacardi and Coke at 14. <laughs> Big man gonna go in the show for us and get a bottle of Bacardi. <laughs> oh. That's how you fuck people up, man, isn't it? When you ask people to go, do, do, do bums, do Wayne still ask people to go on the show from? Do, peop, do young Wayne's even drink anymore? We've done that a few times, an old guy would come down and go, uh, 
But any chance you get in there and get us a, a, 15, a, a bottle of 15 year old Macau? What? I would all joke, mate. Six bottles of cider. <laughs> any chance you get a litre of vodka, mate, and some mixer? You kidding? Aye, mate. Just fucking eight bottles of pulse cider. <laughs> pulse cider. I love a cider. That's my drink, man. But fucking pulse. That was just. It's like soda stream, man. It's fucking off. Anyway, it was a topic. Aye, so ice skating. It was, it was good. It was nice. It was busy. I think the thing is with ice skate, once you get in a few times, you're done, you know? You're done. But nobody really wants to call time on it, so you fucking, you get in again, and then you start trying to do backward stuff, and the whole fucking sidestep over. But these Christmas ice rinks, they're, they're never, they've never got enough size on them to get a good fucking, a good burst of speed up. At least when you would go ice skating before, and it was like a proper rink, you know, you could fucking, you could zoom in and out of cunts, and fuck, dip in and out, but, it was nice, it was nice enough. It's, it's interesting to see other places at Christmas, you know, when they've got the Christmas markets out. I, I don't know when it started, like, I never had Christmas markets when I was, when I was wee, it just wasn't a thing. Christmas markets didn't, it just, it just didn't exist. I'm, I'm sure it did, I mean, I could be wrong, but I'm sure there's, there's absolutely no way I can remember being taken to, like, a Christmas market. Buntlet, is never, it was never a fucking... A big thing for fa- you know, bundle all the wains in the car, take them up to the Christmas market. I was talking to somebody the other day. Our thing used to be my grandparents lived in Rutherglen, and there was a house on Kings Park Road, just up like an end terrace. It's fucking covered in Christmas lights, and children were taken to look at the lights on this man's house. That was our Christmas. New Wayne's have been taken to fucking light shows. They're decorating their own houses. You know? Taken to markets. Been shown different parts of Christmas across the world. We were taken in a car, in a fucking Volvo, to sit outside. Sometimes you couldn't get stopped. You just drive around the block and we're looking. At a guy's house. <laughs> you tell that now to people. They, they, they'd be like, and then what happened? Nothing. Nothing happened. There wasn't a show, we didn't go inside the house, we just drove in a car to look at a country that happened to be the only one in the tune that put fucking Christmas lights up. And then you would speculate, because you never had Google, right? Because you couldn't search. You didn't know anything about the guy. So you would speculate as to why he was doing it. Remember my, my grandpa was saying, I, I think he works for the electricity board, that's the only reason he can uh, get the electricity. He's stealing it, he's probably a fucking gypsy. He's probably fucking panning it for the street lamp. You just make up stories in your head. Maybe one of his kids passed away at Christmas and, you know, he just decided to start doing that. And nowadays you'd fucking Google and go, oh, he's, he's a pedo. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense. Draw them in. <laughs> Here's my thing with Christmas markets. When did a foot-long hot dog become an integral part of Christmas? Every, every Christmas market that I've seen, now I'm aware that I've seen three, but I imagine it's all the same fuck, because it was all the same shit in every single one of them. All the same style of hut. All the same vendors, right? Where do these huts go the rest of the year? But who decided a foot-long German sausage is, is the, the food item that covers Christmas? 
not not a cunt to be seen selling turkey. Not couldn't he find a Brussels sprout if your life depended on it. But you can't even move for fucking foot long hot dogs. Bratwurst, currywurst. When when did this become a Christmas thing? I don't know. I don't know. If you know, fucking get in touch, man. Get in touch. Good time to tell you about fucking some admin shit, eh? Go to the website, scottgibsoncolony.co.uk. You know it by now. Join the mailing list. Um, best way to hear about upcoming tour dates and some one-off shows. Um, I'm going to do a wee thing in Edinburgh, actually, pretty soon. Uh, that I will be announcing to the mailing list. And next year, 2020, fuck, I don't know if I'm going to get used to saying that, man. It sounds like some kind of Terminator, kind of demolition day, fucking 2020. Um, but I'll be doing the continuing on with the new material night as well throughout the year. Uh, Glasgow and Edinburgh. Possibly going to do a Dundee and maybe a Stirling one as well. Um, but go to the website again, uh, join the mailing list, and you will get to hear about those gigs before anyone else and get your tickets um, and join the social medias as well. Got any questions for the show? Hey, fucking get in touch, man. Get in touch. <laughs> While I was down in Birmingham, something uh, something mental happened on the Friday night. Now, we had finished the gig, or was it Thursday? It was Thursday because Marlon was still with us. Thursday night, finished the gig, we're sitting backstage, me, Carl Donnelly, Eleanor Tiernan, um, just having a chat and a couple of drinks, nice civilised, each night we'd maybe have like three or four pints and then we'd just go back to the tail. And we're about maybe two or three pints deep at this point. And Donnelly gets a text, and then he just says to his, Jim Jeffries is coming in. And I was like, what? And Jim Jeffries is playing in one of the arenas in Birmingham, and he's coming down for a pint. It's like, you fucking serious? And then next minute, in walks Jim Jeffries and the Entourage. Now, what goes on after that is one of the maddest nights that I've had in a while. And... To save the innocent, we will save those stories for another day, but let's just say... We <laughs> I'm self-censoring in my head now. Uh, it was fun, let's just put it that way, right? Now, he had, a, he had a bodyguard with him, Slav, from, I want to say Russia, right? But that's doing a disservice, man. It's like when you see an Asian person, you go, you Chinese, mate? It could be Ukraine. I think it might have even been from Ukraine, but... One of the hardest, maddest looking fuckers I've seen in my life. You know when you see guys who just you just look at them and you think he is a hard bastard. They seem to have these hands that are they're not swollen, but they just look slightly too big for their body. Do you know what I mean? And just the skin on their hands. The only way I imagine you get skin like that is either working on some fucking Northern Atlantic shipping vessel. Just hours of pulling fucking shit in for the sea, right? Or endlessly punching bags or fucking cunts' faces, right? That's the only way. But you know the kind of hands I mean. So, Slav came in, did a quick fucking scoot around the room, realises everybody's, it's just three people in here and we're all comics and everybody knows each other. And then he just sits back outside, right? So, just having a bit of chat, a few drinks, eventually we decide to leave. Now, within this time... Mr. Jeffries tells us that Slav's fucking raging, right? Because 
he's hoping that he just goes home. He's like, I hate it when you drink, Jim. I hate it when you drink. Because <laughs> he's, he's, he used to be, he was, well, he still is, for events. Conor McGregor's security, right? Now, I imagine, at the time when, when, when he told us that, I was thinking, that must be an easy gig, because he could probably handle it. So I'm going, that must be a horrific gig to have to keep that wee fucking toilet in check. Because he's probably kicking off left, right and centre, inviting all sorts of drama into him. Anyway, so, Conor McGregor security, done security for loads of other people. And uh, he's just wanting Jimmy to go home after the gig, you know. So, we go downstairs to the bar, he's fucking scooting about. Uh, some people are coming over to ask for pictures, that kind of thing. He's fucking on the move, man, straight in. What the fuck's happening? And then we went to another bar and had a couple of drinks because the, the, the club was closing and the staff went to Griddy's. And we're standing outside and... Uh, so I've got my phone right and Slav's kind of beside us. And I'm with a guy uh, called Shandy, who is Jim Jeffrey's tour manager. And Shandy's like, do you want a picture? And I went, I want a picture with Slav. And then Slav's like, what? And I went, I said, I want a picture with you, big man. <laughs> He's laugh. He's like, ho, 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 ho. I've, n- <laughs> I've never heard... A softer, like a soft Frank Bruno laugh. That's exactly what he had. Ho, 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 ho. So I put my arm around him and I says, you're the hardest fucking maddest cunt I've ever seen in my life, Slav. I want a picture with you. And everybody shout him, stop laughing, Slav. You're not getting paid to laugh. You're on this tour for security. You're not here for a laugh. I've I've honestly never met a madder cunt in my life. No, we're going to a nightclub, right? And Slav's in the queue edging his way forward, so he just queue jumps, right, so he's close to Jim, now, the guy that he jumps in front of, goes to say something, he's obviously sober enough to quickly assess that he's one of the maddest people, again, you'll ever see in your life, and just, and doesn't say it, right, when Slav goes to the front, the security bouncer goes to pat him down, now, I honestly thought it was like, I knew it wasn't a gun, but I did think it was a knife, right, so he lifts his jacket up and he's got a kind of like, you know those things where, it's like, um, how can I describe it? You know, like the police have got like fucking torches and shit like that. Like a utility belt, right? That's a fit. It's a utility belt, right? It's like fucking Batman, right? He's the Ukrainian Batman. Batman. So he's got like a utility belt thing on with pouches and stuff, right? And it's got a torch in it. It's got, it's got all sorts in it, right? So he's, the guy says to him, what's that? And he, and he just, he doesn't even say torch. He doesn't speak to the cunt. He just pushes it on and off inside his pocket so it flashes. And then the guy goes to kind of pat him down and just very quickly realises if anything was to happen, no, no, nobody could stop this gun. <laughs> but you, you also know, like, I don't know if it's because I used to work on the door years ago. You can just tell when you look at somebody if they're, if they're mental and there's a chance they can kick off or if they're mental... And they actually don't want to be there, so there's no risk getting happen. Does that make sense? Because you could just tell in his eyes, he's like, "Mate, I, I don't want to be like. Let's don't cause me any hassle. I'm stuck with this cunt. Just let me get in, right?" So, and he goes, and uh, it was it was brought. See to watch someone like. Be a sec- oh, it was, it was just mad to see him be a security. Sec- we all try. He went to the toilet, right? She's like, Shandy, I, I got the piss. I got the piss. He's like, no worries, man. I'll keep an eye on him. 
So he's obviously making sure they all know where he's going. Right? Now he nips for a piss, he's going at 30 seconds a minute, if that, right? And then Jim Jeffries giving it. Slabs away, he's away for a piss. So we all move and we all hide, right? Now we're, we've, we've, we couldn't be any further from where we were standing. We're in a corner. We can see the door that he's going to walk in. And Shandy just says, before he even appears, he's going to walk out there and the first place he's going to look is straight at us and he's going to walk over. And I was like, no chance, man. The cunt walked out the door. He walked out the door looking in our direction. <laughs> he just walks out. He's like, doesn't even smile and just walks through. And I was like, this cunt's unreal, man. Fucking unreal. Big Slav. Amazing. Great weekend in Birmingham. Thanks to everybody who came out. Uh... And Jim Jeffries for a, a surprise mental evening on the Friday. And also, I suppose, for one of the worst hangovers I've had in a while. Uh, tequila shots does not agree with anybody. And it certainly does not agree with your old dad. Good old Birmingham, man. I had been caught up in the 1901... Um, saga. Now I should say that's uh, Iron Brew. It's not some sectarian reference. Iron Brew have brought out a new stroke old version of the famous Iron Brew drink, and they've called it Iron Brew 1901. Now, like all some of the wee fucking douchebags on Leningon. They said it was the original recipe, as in the original from 1901. They didn't say it was the old sugar recipe. <laughs> Fuck off. We all know what they've done, right? We all know what they've done. They took away our iron brew. They ripped the fucking heart out this country. And they replaced it with the sugar tax, reduced sugar version of iron brew. No. There's not a cunt in the world who drank Iron Brew because they enjoy the flavour, right? The, the, it just doesn't happen. Nobody drank it because they enjoyed the taste, right? They drank it because it had 36 grams of sugar in it and it would cure your hangover or give you the fucking energy to get through the day. That's why we drank it, right? And by Iron Brew putting the, the original, just that word original on it, it makes you think of the old recipe. Right, as in the recipe we knew before the fucking took it off the shelf. No, the first ever recipe for Mr. Barr discovered in 1901, right, by fucking boiling his socks and spitting into a barrel. That's no how, or the one we thought it was. So I bought it. I bought a case uh, for my brother who lives in Gloucester and who can't get it. Uh, and see all these people who are going, they're selling bottles for £65,000 online. No, they aren't. Right, they aren't. And see if you're buying it, you're a fucking arsehole. Because you know what you do? You go to any shop and you buy a bottle for £2. It's £2 a bottle. That's it. Go to a garage, one ninety nine. Save yourself a penny. It's fucking £2 a bottle. I picked up a case, right? 12 bottles in a case. And the last bit of the time going, does it say how much a case is? I was like, 24 quid. It's 12 bottles for £2 each. It's no, it's, I'm not buying champagne. Right, it's all raining in a bit. We're not buying bottles of Cristal fucking Dom Perignon. We're buying 1901 Original Iron Brew. 
at two quid a bottle. Now, it doesn't taste like Iron Brew, right? It doesn't. It doesn't taste like the way Iron Brew used to taste, right? It doesn't even taste close to it. Okay? Then let's just get it out of the way. Now, if you want to be one of these people who fucking argues, then fine, right? If you want to get on my Twitter and tweet shit, and believe me, you're shouting out of the void. I fucking very rarely read them. If it's bullshit, I fucking, I don't even glance at it. I'm disappointed. I thought, I did think it was going to be a taste of the old stuff. No, if if they bring it out 1901, I imagine people will drink it. And I mean, if they bring it out after the, the, the time of this kind of short release, cunts will drink it. But it's, no, it's nowhere near the same as the fucking old stuff. Nowhere near the same, man. Disappointing. It's disappointing. It's not going to cure a hangover. Let's just say that. Alright, but it's, uh, it'll do man, it's just a shame, because I wanted to taste it and go, oh, it's back, daddy's home, but you can't, you're just drinking it going, it tastes a wee bit better than a can iron brew does the new, and that's the only thing, also stuff like, it's probably not even got sugar in it, it'll be like some kind of, glucose syrup or something, apparently that's the reason why the best place to get Coca-Cola or the best place to have any kind of real sugary drink is in Hawaii because they are one of the only countries that still use cane sugar so when you drink a can of Coke in Hawaii or or a can of whatever you're like, fucking but like every other dink dink, dick I bought my bottle in 1901, so Mr. Bars, AG Bars, you fucking bastards, enjoy my 26 quid, because I do not think I shall be buying any more, and I'm sure my brother will love it when he gets it in there, uh, this weekend coming actually, but we will see, we will see, uh, I don't know if any of you have bought it, I'm sure most of you have. I saw some people saying they loved it. And listen, see if you enjoy it. Here's the other thing, right? See if you drink it and you enjoy it. Good. Good. Right? That's fine. We are all able to have an opinion on something. That's how amazing the world is. So I drank it. Didn't like it. You then don't need to jump and go, Well, I can quite assure you, Mr. Gibson, I have drank it and may I say it's absolutely delicious. Couldn't give a fuck. I'm not going to read your wee comment and go, Oh my God, some fucking douchebag online likes it. They're right, it's delicious. Do what you want, if you enjoy it, you enjoy it, who fucking cares? Why does everybody need to be the same on stuff or try and shoot somebody down? You like it, I think it's fucking below average. The world goes on. But, 1901 is out there, fucking get some man. Fucking enjoy it, or don't enjoy it. Do what you want. But if somebody wants to make an offer on these 12 bottles... I'll happily sell them so I don't need to fucking drive into bloody Gloucester. Who fucking lives in Gloucester? Anyway, as we approach the Christmas season, I want—I bet you there's going to be some cunt that gets a case of Iron Brew for his Christmas. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> some fucking poor fat bastard on the cusp of type 2 diabetes. You know? And the family's like, what did we get him? 
get my £50 voucher for Caspian Pizza and a Caseine Brew. I love that. Yeah. Basically, what you're doing is you're saying to your dad, we're giving you the gift of losing your legs. <laughs> You've always struggled with weight loss, father. So enjoy this, and then we're going to hack your legs off for the fucking knee, dude. <laughs> oh. Christmas Day is going to be... A big thing. Uh, this is the first time in a long, long time, if not ever, that, in fact, is it? First time ever I'm going to be at home on Christmas Day. So we're not going to um, anyone's house for Christmas. We're, we're having a Christmas at home this year, me and the missus and uh, the, the Waynes, Murphy and Eric, aka tour manager. And going to make a nice Christmas dinner. And it's got me thinking, because obviously the missus is vegetarian, I will be having... Uh, a, a beautiful uh, turkey roast thing, joint, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Some kind of wanky Marks and Spencers fucking wrapped in, you know, Ayrshire cured bacon stuffed with fucking all sorts of piggy portness. Serves four or one fat Glaswegian. I'll be having that. Um, don't know what the missus is going to have yet. We need to kind of sort that out. Saw quite an interesting um, company. Let's see if I can find it on on Instagram. Believe it or not, they're in Paisley, um, which fucking blew my mind. Um, oh, oh, oh! No, I can't find them. There's some kind of vegan butchers in Paisley. Now I don't know if they have a shop. I don't think they have a shop because. I imagine if there was a vegan butchers in Paisley, it'd have been petrol bombing now. So I think it's just a, a, a factory or a lab or an underground lair that they have. Um, but they make, like, faking, which is fake bacon. They make vegan lawn sausage. And they do these vegan roasts. Now, it looks like a bit of Silverside. It's like a, a roast beef. That's what it looks like. And... It, it looks the business, man. It does look the business. I, I am wondering what the the taste and texture would be like. Because that seems to be the thing where a lot of the kind of, you know, plant-based kind of meat replacement stuff is the, is the texture of it. It's either quite crumbly or it's almost cheese-like in the sense it's, it's quite kind of hard to texture. So, but it looks the business, man. It even comes in the wee fucking bit of string, you know, wrapped, and you roast it like we joint, and it's fucking... We might do that, I don't know. But the big thing for Christmas dinner is what do you have in, and what do you leave out? Because you may have a roast throughout the rest of the year, controversial, as to the items that make it on a Christmas dinner. I, for one, and I'm just going to say it out there, I'm just going to say it, right? You need to be confident of these things. I am not a fan of mashed potato with my Christmas dinner. I've said it, right? I know some of you are going, fucking unsubscribe. What? I'm just putting it out there. Pigs in blankets, you need to have them, right? You need to have them. Roast potatoes, that's a definite. For me, mashed turnip. There you go. Hey, could be a shocker. Could be a game changer. Mashed turnip. Carrots, yes. Brussels sprouts, obviously. Then you start to get down the realms of are you adding too much or are you trying to be a fancy cunt? 
right? You hear me out. Parsnips. I'm, I'm a fan of parsnip. I don't mind it. But if it's no honey roasted, you can stick up your ass. Okay, there. Again, I said it, right? And I think I speak for everyone. If you are going to your mother's or your in-laws for Christmas and you're concerned about what you're going to have, right? Because here's the thing, you know, it is a meal that is built up in our heads to be, we know it's going to be the greatest meal of our lives, right? Or the greatest meal of that year. So put the effort in. And if you have been dragged along to the in-laws and you know that your mother-in-law's cooking is shite, let, let her fucking listen to this bit of the podcast, right? Just say to her, look, parsnips. I mean, how hard is it? Bit of honey on top of them, right? Bit of butter, a wee bit of sugar even, fucking on the basket, get them in, right? If it's just a plain, grey, white, fucking withered parsnip, get it up your shiter. Take your time, make the effort, right? Parsnips, I would say, is on the list of acceptable accoutrement, if you like. Cabbage, stick up your ass. It's one of these things where you can go too far, you know. People will make mash, sweet potato mash. There's no need. There's no need. Just make a fucking good, solid, roasty, right? You don't need to make six different types of potatoes. You don't need to make every fucking combination of vegetable that Tesco sells. You know, you don't you don't need to do that, right? You need roast potatoes. You need them, okay? You need carrots, because it's Christmas. If you want peas, fuck it. How hard is it? Big bag of peas, in a pot, fucking in a bowl, right? If you want them, you can have them. You need pigs and blankets. They, they don't really need parsnips, but I would go I would go there. And here, here's here's one for you and all, right? I'm just going to throw it out there to the listeners. Yorkshire puddings, I or no? <laughs> I or no? I mean, I would I would say it's probably no part of a Christmas dinner. But hey, if I'm sitting doing a fucking Yorkshire puddings offer to me, hey, that's a bonus. I'm not going to turn. I'm not going to say, oh Margaret, it's fucking Christmas. Jesus, <laughs> the name of the wee man. Yorkshire puddings. No, you're going to go fucking bring it on. I welcome a pudding of the Yorkshire. But are people going to go too much at Christmas? Are you dreading Christmas? A lot of people don't like it. Are you being dragged somewhere you don't want to go? Would you rather be at home? Would you rather be doing what the fucking your old dad's doing? Sitting in the house, feasting like fuck. I'm only going to leave the house on Christmas Day to let a dog out for a shite. That is it. I may even treat myself to a shite in the street as well. It's Christmas, why not? Other than that, I'll be sitting in my arse, stuffing my face all fucking day. And the best thing is, nobody can judge you in Christmas. Nobody can judge you. Get up, open your presents, you know, sit there with the missus, compare in your head to see who has spent more on each other, so you know if you're one up or you're one down on the rest of the day. <laughs> Don't think your missus isn't doing that. And there's only one win on this. That is for you to have spent more money on her. If you're sitting there on Christmas Day and you open your presents and you know in your heart of hearts that she has spent more money on you, in her head she's thinking, you fat piece of shit. 
That's what she, don't think she's sitting there going, oh, look at the stuff that he has bought me. I'm so fucking happy and blessed to have such a great partner. She's sitting there going, that fucking cunt's easily spent 150 to 200 quid less on what I've fucking spent on that fucking fat shit. That's what she'll be thinking. So, try and get a gauge of what the the money is. Even be bold enough to say, hey, what are we spending on each other? You know? And if she says 500, you go 700. That's my tip to you. Whatever you agree to spend, rattle 200 on top of it. That's it. That's it. And that will give you a nice Christmas day. Open your presents, get your comfies on. If you've got a dog, take the dog out for a walk, have a nice breakfast. And by nice, I mean big. Hunters are carbs, man. Hunters are fucking pancakes, fried breakfast. Oh, orange juice, fucking coffee. Eggs Benny, man, if you can be asked. But I smoke salmon. Oh. Then you maybe have a shite and a sleep. Who knows? Watch some telly. Get yourself ready for the fucking big event. Which is the main dinner, man. And you go fucking hard. And you go heavy. Fucking extra stuff of that. Fucking yes. And then you go to the point where you think you're either going to shit yourself or be physically sick because you've consumed so much. Then you rest, okay? And you convince yourself in your mind, you, you, you use the Chinese takeaway method, okay? And that is that you tell yourself you're going to be hungry in an hour. That's it. Regardless of how much you've eaten, you know you're going to be hungry in an hour. And because it's Christmas, nobody can say anything to you. Now, normally on a normal night, if you're sitting in a house and you've just had your dinner, and you turn to your significant other or your family an hour after your dinner and say, does anybody want a sandwich? Does anybody want some cheese and crackers? The barrage of abuse you would receive. You know, like, one of the scenes, uh, is it Hero? When they fucking, you just see like 600 arrows shooting through the sky. That is the level of abuse you would receive. A sandwich? You just had your dinner, you fat cunt. But in Christmas, all bets are off. Oh, I bet it's enough. Even if you're sitting on that sofa and somebody says, do you want a sandwich? And you know inside, if I eat a sandwich, I'm going to explode. You talk to that person, you say, I love a sandwich. Because it's your one day to pick the fuck out. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. I found a lovely, a cheesemonger, which again, other than cheese and iron, fish, what, what other mongers are there? Cheesemonger, ironmonger, fishmonger. Why, why is, why is a butcher no a meatmonger? <laughs> a fruit and veg monger? What does monger mean? What does monger mean? Should we Google it? No, it's no, let's fucking, come on, let's use, you know, grey matter. What does monger, why, why is it fish, iron and fucking, whatever the other one is? Get in touch, man. Scott Gibson, comment.co.uk. Fill in the form, get me in the socials. Like, what are you doing at Christmas? Are you home? Are you travelling? Are you nervous? Are you worried? What are you having? What is there any weird things that you have in your Christmas dinner? Also, before we wrap up on this one, bread sauce, get in the fucking sea. If you want to ruin a perfectly good meal by sticking a fucking dollop of fucking lumpy spunk on your dinner, get in the fucking sea. 
Enjoy Christmas, kids. <laughs> the wind is so strong today, man. The fucking bay window's about to come in. The amount of umbrellas I have seen. I took the missus to work this morning. Uh, it's not it's not a far walk for the house, right? It's about, what, 10 minutes after that, max, but... See when it's there's nothing worse than turning up to your work, soggy. Not I mean that just that just starts you in a bad mood. I mean not nothing is getting you to that. Nothing is getting you to that. Turn I used to hate that man turning up to your fucking work like damp, you know. Or like you'd have a you'd have a good jacket right, so you take your jacket off, and you let like, your shirts dry, but the like for the knee doing. You know, the shins on your trousers are just fucking soggy. Ugh. Worst start of the day ever. Anyway, so, took the missus to work because it's fucking minging the day in Edinburgh and the amount of umbrellas that we saw getting turned inside out and fucking Mary Poppins out of cunt's hands. Terrifying. What? What is it? If you buy an umbrella, and it's, it's, la- it's the ladies, right? It's just the rascalies, the rascalites. If you buy an umbrella for two quid, a fiver, I would say. I'd say, I'd I'd even go to a tenner, right? And it's a wee, you know, the wee black pop-up one. What is it about, like, a Category 4 hurricane that you think, this will be fine? Saw a poor lassie at the, at the brow of the hill, man, and she just she came out her close and she popped it, and the thing just fucking shot right, <laughs> right inside. Like fuck the other way, and then you're just you're fighting to get it back down, and it's fucking going up at one end. You're like, oh fucking bastard, you. And I know a lot of it is because you want it to fit in handbags or, or things need to be, you know, they need to be easy to store or get out, and that's the whole point. And having them, people don't want to carry a big brolly, but just get a fucking brolly, man. Right, because it's Scotland. It's Scotland. It's going to be wet 93% of the year and it's going to be windy 84% of the year, right? It's a fucking, it's a horrible, they sold us a lie. They sold us a lie on climate change, right? They sold us a fucking lie. We spoke about this before. We thought it was going to be summer in the middle of fucking November. That's what we thought. We sat doing. We watched the stuff in the news years ago, you know, 5p bag charge, what the fuck? Aye, but don't worry, Bobby, because climate change is coming and we can grow pineapples in the back garden and wear hula skirts in fucking December, because that's what's coming. If they told us the truth then, they went, see, climate change, you're not getting heat, you're getting more rain, you're getting fucking 80 mile an hour winds, sleet, hail, darkness, see that grey sky that lives in Glasgow? That famous Glasgow grey sky, it's going to cover the whole of fucking Scotland. We would have taken it a bit more serious. So just buy a fucking decent brolly. Buy a decent brolly, right? And you want to know where you get a decent brolly? You don't go to John Lewis. You don't go to Harvey Nicks, right? You don't go online to fucking whatever it is that people want, you know, so you can have a big fucking logo. What's the fucking, like, Chanel, right? You don't go and buy a Chanel fucking brolly. Or a Victoria Westwood, but Victoria Westwood, is that a real thing? Victoria Westwood? Somebody Westwood. One of these fuckers, right? You go to a golf shop, 
That's where you go, a golf shop. Right? Golf shop. No Sports Direct. No JD Sports. A golf shop. And you say to the man behind the till, or the woman, right? Because it's 2019. And you say, sir or madam, be respectful. Sir or madam, I am here to buy an umbrella that will cover me and possibly my friend in the rain and shield us from a Category 6 hurricane. And they will say, give me your money and there you go. And you'll look at it and you'll be like, it's too big. What, accept it, right? Sometimes size matters. And when it comes to fucking brawlies, the bigger the better, okay? Golf shop. That's where you want to go. You held that for your fucking Uncle Gibble. Because that's where I'm going. I'm no... I'm no taking the risk anymore. I'm no fucking going, you know, to a department store or a wee shop and getting myself a kind of fancy fucking gentleman's brawly. I'm going American golf and I'm getting a fucking pavement clearer. That's what I'm getting, right? A fucking pavement clearer. So when I pop the fucker, I'm as wide as the street. Wide as the street and I'm clearing country of the road. I'm not moving, you know? This is fucking America rules, right? Four-way stop. Who's got the biggest motor? That's who goes first. So when all the fucking wee dicks are walking down the street with their one-pound Dorothy Perkins fucking H&M inside out lollipops I'm there with my pavement cleaner fucking reinforced carbon fucking no movement dry as a bone that's what they do man go to a golf shop and say I want a pavement cleaner and the cunt will look at you dead in the eye and go you've made a good choice you've made a good choice <laughs> Get it in black as well. Don't get a fancy colour. Don't, don't, don't need to attention to yourself, right? Doesn't he have a logo on it? None of that ping fucking Nike. Just black. Sleek. Carbon. Fucking Bosch. <coughs> what else has happened since we've uh, since we've last spoke? Did you watch the fight? Again, disappointed, man. Disappointed. Um this is my issue with, with AJ, Anthony, Joshua. I like him as a person. I think that he comes across well, he's good for the sport, a good ambassador. He's went a bit fucking off the rails the last couple of months, and I can understand why. But I, I am not a fan of him as a boxer. I don't think he's a particularly good boxer, and... I know that the the hardest thing about talking about sport is you will always have someone who disagrees with you in the sense of you will have an opposition to the fan, you know. So you will support one person, someone else will support another. You'll always have that. And it's difficult sometimes to have a, a discussion because if someone is a genuine fan, they'll, they'll just shut you down. They're no interest in hearing it. And I think a lot of the Anthony Joshua fans are just diehards, you know. He's the greatest heavyweight champion of all time. Let's be honest. He's not the best boxer heavyweight currently. And he's nowhere near the best heavyweight boxer of all time. 
I know people will say Ali. I mean, there's people who are boxing fans, you know, saying maybe Foreman was a better champion than Ali, but it's Tyson. For me, it's Tyson, right? He he is the Mike Tyson, by the way, is the greatest heavyweight champion ever. I think Mike Tyson in his peak would have destroyed Ali. And again, these things are just opinion. And I I know, well, I don't know for a fact, it's opinion again, Scott, come on. Uh, Tyson in his prime would destroy Fury now, would destroy Joshua now. And Deontay Wilder, man, he wouldn't fucking stand a chance against Tyson. But if we look at the three we've got, Fury, Wilder and Joshua, and I think you put Ruiz into that mix. Now, I know that, I mean, people have been calling him a disgrace, Ruiz, because of the weight that he put on the way out of the ring he's training in the last couple of months. This is a guy who, if I'm right in saying this, the fight he had before Joshua, the biggest purse that he'd picked up to that point was $200,000. Now, that's an insane amount of money, right? For the average Joe, the average person in the street. But you think, off the back of that $200,000 he's picking up for, for one fight, he is paying, you know, he's probably paying to run his gym, he's got his management team, he's got, he's got everybody. So he's paying for his family and he's paying for everyone around him, right? So that $200,000, by the time you break it down, is not a lot considering you are a heavyweight boxer at a significant level that you're earning money. Then he steps in the ring against Joshua. And it was his chance to prove the skill that he has. And he proved that because he fucking sparked Joshua on his ass. Right? He never he never put him down. He sparked him to fuck. Joshua didn't know who he was, where he was, or what the fuck was happening to him. He was gone. Right? Joshua didn't lose those belts. Those belts were taken from him. Right? And there's a difference in that. People keep referring to that as Joshua losing the belts. He never lost it. He got knocked the fuck down over and over again and Ruiz took those belts from him. Now, for whatever reason, Joshua is refusing to say what was wrong with him medically, right? And I don't know if it's just to build a bit of of hype to put more coverage over it. I don't know. But even if something was wrong with him medically... If you are a, a fighter, and this is all opinion, right? It's just what I, what I think. If you're a fighter, you know, it's in your blood and it's in your, your fucking soul, man. It's in your DNA. If somebody starts smacking you, I don't care how sick you are, man. There's a there's something that just switches on and you go into attack mode. In that first fight, Joshua never had it. Now, Ruiz has then gone away and he's fucking partied for six months. He's put on nearly four stone in weight, man, right? The cunt was fucking... I mean, he was big before, but he's big now. And after he's saying, you know, fucking, I was eating wrong and I was training wrong and I was partying wrong. And fair fucks to him, right? Fair fucks to him. Now, people called him a disgrace, like I said, because the state he was way out of the ring. But I will say this to you. The guy has come back after however long it was and he's admitted to training badly, eating badly, and that a lot of stuff was wrong. He's admitted to that. And he's shown that by the weight that he gained, three and a half, four stone, since the last fight, Right? He still never went down once. He never went down once. Now, yes, 
Joshua did a great display of boxing and used the jab, kept him at a distance. He didn't run. Joshua never ran from him. He, he used the ring and he used his speed and he kept him moving. Right? Kept him moving. But Joshua never once, not even, not only did he not put Ruiz down, he never even wobbled him. A couple of times, yes, he got some nice punches and good connections, looked good on the fucking slow motion replay. But not once was Ruiz knocked. And my take on that is that Ruiz is a dangerous man. He's a dangerous fighter. If you have got someone who is in, who's admitted to being physically in a bad shape and not preparing well, imagine what he will do in his next fight. Now, his next fight is not going to be against Joshua, right? Joshua's no stupid enough to ever get in a ring with Ruiz again because if he got in a ring with a fit, healthy, well-trained Ruiz... I have no doubt Ruiz would fucking spark him out good night. So Eddie Hearn is never going to let them be in a ring again, ever again. So what Ruiz has to do now is Ruiz needs to work his way through the rest of that division. And Ruiz has to go after, after Deontay Wilder. That's what he has to do. He has to go after that belt. Because Joshua's next thing will be to unify everything, to get that last belt. That, that'll be the last thing. And as soon as he does that, he'll retire. You'll never see him again. So I think Ruiz needs to position himself in a way that he has that belt. And that fight has to happen. I think that Tyson Fury would take AJ. And I think Deontay Wilder would take AJ. So I really don't know what happens now. I don't know what happens next. Um, Fury maybe needs to get his mind a bit more focused, stay away from this wrestling stuff. You can't fault the guy, man. He's, he's just trying to earn for his family, you know. You, you can't deny people chance to earn this kind of money. But there was a time when heavyweight boxing was so fucking exciting, we were gripped on it, you know. And then the fights that we wanted to happen didn't happen, and it's diluted it slightly. So 2020 is going to be a big year for boxing, I think. I hope we see Wilder Fury again. And I really hope that we see Joshua take on one of the big boys. But even if he's got to fight Usyk, man, that's not an easy fight. He's a fucking dangerous boy, man. He's a dangerous boy. And if somebody gets inside Joshua, man, I, I, I just don't know that he's got one, the defence, or two, the chin to take a serious attack. So it's going to be interesting to see. But uh, it was good to watch um, Saudi Arabia... What was the fucking point in that? Do you think that stadium didn't even exist two months, you know, before it? They just build it. It shows you what happens when you... A bit of slave labour, eh? And no fucking planning permission required for the council can do for you. Cunts can't even get a shed built in their back garden here. In two months. But the old Saudis can build a 15,000 seat. <laughs> Fuck me. What a place, man. But well done, Joshua. Um, good fight from a technical side, fucking boring fight from an audience side. Um, I would have liked of you to have actually put him doing one. I think if he knocked Ruiz out and got a stoppage that way, that would have put it to bed. Uh, the fact that he he hasn't knocked him down and it's gone to points again just leaves that taste in your mouth. Going well, we need to see a third fight then. Because it almost feels like a draw, if I'm being honest. Um, 
But there you go. Did you watch it? What do you think? Who knows, man. Right, let's get this moving. Okay, team. Um, let's do some news items, shall we? Let's look at some exciting news items from around the world. Play the jingle! Today's headlines. Mum needs teeth for Christmas. Admin worker quits job to eat takeaways. And firefighters rescue pig from flat. I mean, I know I say it every episode, but the the quality of journalism that is out there. I don't I don't want to hear people moan again that there is not enough high end quality investigative journalism because it's there. I'm showing it to you every single fucking episode. Right, let's start with some gummy bastard who's lost her fucking teeth to an apple pie. Um it's always these are from the Metro, you know? It's a free paper and you're probably asking yourself why is a newspaper free? And I think it's because they have a lot of fucking shit as their news stories. From the Metro, um, Joe Roberts, a new uh, journalist to us. Um, the headline being, Mum needs teeth for Christmas after swallowing dentures eating a mince pie. And there's a picture uh, here of uh, Angie McGill. With, with the pie, uh, obviously not the pie that she uh, lost her teeth with because this is a, a full pie, um, but you, you can see from Angie's uh, mouth that those those teeth were probably grateful to have been evacuated from that mouth um, because that is a fucking, a horrifying gub. Um I I think Angie enjoys a cigarette and possibly a gin or or four. There's no slimline tonic in that gin. Um, th- those teeth, I mean that the wee one next to it, it looks ready to go. Um, we read on. All this mum wants for Christmas is two front teeth. Fucking hell, Joe! That's the first line you go with with your report. Um, after she accidentally swallowed her dentures eating an Aldi. Oh, Aldi. Mince pie. Angie McGill, 52, was tucking into her festive snack when she ate what when she ate what she thought was a bit of pastry. So let's get this straight here. She's eaten a tooth, but she thought it was pastry. Now, as you know, pastry is soft, crumbly in the mouth. Did her teeth crumble? Did they disintegrate in her mouth? Is that how fucked her teeth were to start with? But she realised that she actually swallowed her partial dentures and started panicking. It's not even an end teeth! She swallowed her fucking false teeth. She swallowed her false teeth. The caterer went to hospital and an x-ray revealed the plate was stuck halfway down her throat. She has eaten a mince pie and swallowed her fucking false teeth and plate. People, people fucking, they don't, there's no, there's no hope, there's no hope, 
Forget all this Brexit. Forget the fact that the fucking Tories are going to get back in and the country's fucked. There is a vast number of this population that are beyond repair. Beyond repair. This fucking woman is eating a mince pie. Somehow, her fucking denture plate has come dislodged. She swallowed the whole plate, then went to hospital hospital, (laughs) hospital for an x-ray and decides somehow to contact the fucking paper. Medics advise any procedure to pull the plate back up her throat. Why the fuck would you do that? Would do more good than harm. Obviously, I'm not a doctor. There's two ways we can do this, uh, Mr. McGill. We can we can go in. We can send a team of uh, very. What we do is we actually take some doctors and we shrink them down to the size of a jelly baby, and then we send them down your esophagus, your throat, to retrieve the plate. Or we can give you this drink and you can shout it out. It's up to you. So Angela. Oh, poor Angela had to wait 72 hours for her dentures to pass through her digestive system. Oh no, before flushing them down the loo. Why do you flush them down the loo? Fucking just wash them and get them in your mouth. I don't imagine that's the worst thing you've had in your gub. You've had a fucking Aldi men's pie in there. Oh, here we... This is always the thing. Mama 3, Angela for Glasgow. Of course she's for fucking Glasgow. Of course she's for Glasgow. What is it with Scottish people, man? Why are we the fucking dregs of society? There's stories on here of people raising tens of thousands of pounds for a charity. There's there's pictures on here, uh, a news story of somebody fucking rescuing a person for a, a house that was in fire. And the story we have of the Scottish person is a 52-year-old mother of three who swallowed her dentures and shat them out. That's the story. Right, it's no the story isn't somebody had a mince pie and her tooth fell out because that isn't what the story is. We've read three lines and we know the story. Angie McGill, fifty-two, has been on the gin. She swallowed her teeth and she shat her fucking dentures out. That's the story. Mum of three, Angela for Glasgow said, "I think I made their day. To be honest, maybe even their year. It was ever so funny." That's it, Angie. You've made her day. You've made her day. Those people in accident emergency in that hospital have been going, do you know what, we've, we've had a terrible year. Uh, budget cuts have caused us to lost, lost members of staff. We have people waiting in the in the corridors to be treated. People's lives in their hand, the stress that we're under, I've worked today doing our shift, but do you know what? I was ready to pack it all in. I was ready to chuck it all. Not even just work, life. I was ready to cut, cut my fucking self to the point of no coming back. And then do you know what happened today? Do you know what happened today? An angel visited us. An angel. An actual angel named Angie McGill. She visited the hospital and she gave us hope that there is a future for us. A chance for a happy future. What did she say to you? She never said anything. She never said anything. She just swallowed her dentures and she shat them back out again. God bless you, Angie. God bless you. Nugget. <sighs> Angie McGill goes on to say, obviously I wasn't going to be using the plate again. Why no, Angie? Why fucking no? Like I said, all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. Oh, I fucking hate this story. Angie says she's now sworn off mince pies forever. I don't believe you, Angie. Angie McGill. Posing with a mince pie. 
as someone who has unfortunately had to do an actual press shoot before, I can imagine the fucking nugget that they sent along to get these pictures. She's standing next to a white LED Christmas tree. I'll let you make up your own comments on that. She's got a Christmas t-shirt on and she's holding a mince pie. I had to do a thing once for The Guardian and I was there with, with Paul Sullivan, my PR guy, and he said, is there anything that you don't want to do? And I went, I'm not getting in a bath of beans. I'm not doing a stupid face. I just want a simple picture and that's it, right? Don't ask me to do a wacky face. Don't ask me to hold a microphone. That's, I'm not into that. No worries. The person comes in for the Guardian and the first thing she asks is, could you put a, a funny hat on? <laughs> I just looked at Paul and obviously she knew I wasn't into that. And they asked me if I would poke my head through a curtain and make a wacky face. Oh, people, man. Well, there you go, Ange. Good luck. Do you know what, Ange? Good fucking luck to you. I hope Santa brings you... I hope Santa brings you new teeth in. I really do. And I hope that you can get them in a plate. Second news story. Um, admin worker 22 quits job to eat takeaways on YouTube. This story is from Jen Mills. Um, young lady here in her comfies. Uh, did his t-shirt and a pair of trackies. Getting battered into um, a dinner. Charna Rowley is the girl's name. Uh, eats around 5,500 calories per meal. Per meal? Fucking hell. Fucking hell. A woman has quit a full-time job so she can focus on eating Chinese takeaway at McDonald's on request. Wow! Channel Rowley, 22, films herself eating... Oh, hold on a minute here. This is not This is not This, is it? This is going to be some weird fucking perverted thing, isn't it? This is not going to be somebody doing, like, food challenges on YouTube. This is going to be somebody eating, like, one of these fucking guys or, or women, right? They get like turned on by people eating food, innit? This is, this is, I'm, I'm already fucking regretting this. I'm sorry, team, for bringing you these stories. We shall read on. Chandler, early 22, films herself eating around 5,500 calories per meal and posts the footage on YouTube. Around 40,000 followers, 40,000 followers on YouTube eating her dinner. I've got 69 and an award winning comedian. What is wrong with you people? Around 40,000 followers tune in to watch her enjoying food ranging from Greg's to Pizza Hut. Charna quit her previous job as an admin worker and currently supports her eating with a part-time warehouse job which she took in order to have more time for the videos. In the future, her aim is to become the UK's first mukbang star. Oh, what the fuck is that? Mukbang? That, that does not sound... That does not sound good. What's your daughter does? She's a mukbang star. <laughs> what the fuck is mukbang? Alright, we're going we need we need to fucking Google mukbang. Hold on. Hold on. Mukbang. M-U-K-B-E-N-G. Mukbang. What does that mean? Mukbang or Mekbang is a live online audiovisual broadcast in which a host eats food while interacting with their audience. Mukbang is an audiovisual broadcast in which a host eats food while interacting with their audience, usually done through a webcast. 
Mukbang became popular in South Korea in 2010. Foods ranging from pizza to noodles are consumed in front of a camera for an online audience. What what has happened to the fucking world, man? What has happened? Is it not does does it no worry is it not about worrying that stuff like this exists and we've got no idea what it is? See, the weekend, when I was in Birmingham, right, there was somebody playing at the O2 Academy in Birmingham, and the queue was ruined, I mean, ruined the block, way past up a hotel. You're talking sold out, what, two, three thousand people? I'd never heard of the cunt. Now, I know when you get a bit older, you maybe don't know what all the fucking Waynes are listening, or what's kind of, you know, what's what's hip with the fucking kids, you know? What, what's in the charts these days? I just feel as if there's, there's fucking too much stuff going on that you don't even know anything about. Muckbang. Even the fact that it's got a term, even the fact that people are making a living from eating their dinner as a cunt watches you, the world is fucked up. Chandler goes on to say that her ultimate aim is to work up to eating 10,000 calories in one sitting. Fuck a duck, man. Many of her videos feature her boyfriend of eight months who eats along with her and vlogs under the name Trans King. <laughs> I'm not going there. The couple who live together appear side by side eating chicken or Chinese and have no plans to stop. Why would you stop, man? Charna from London said, I've got to show how confident I am. I might get something stuck in my tooth or around my mouth, but people love how funny I am. Oh, hen. I have the negative ones telling me how fat I am, how I could be really pretty if I try not to eat so much, but most of the time I just don't answer. I enjoy it and it gives me confidence, and now that I can monetize, here we go, now that I can monetize my channel and really respond to people's requests, it can become a full-time career move. It can, until you're dead. Do you know what? Fuck, just do what you want, man. People do what you want. It, just, it blows my mind that someone will actually sit down and watch somebody eat a dinner. But then who am I to judge, man? I watched a cunt make a fucking espresso the other day on YouTube to try and... At least I'm trying to learn how to use a fucking old-fashioned gadget a coffee machine, right? Fucking didink, weigh my beans, grind my fucking beans. That sounds quite sexual. But if you are, if you are leaving a job, an actual job, where you interact with people, you know, you earn money, you, you maybe grow as a person, to stay at home and eat food, and put it on YouTube, and hope that that makes you rich, even though you're probably no happy inside, is this the whole fucking Kardashian thing that's driving this, you know, where people who don't really have a talent, or any significant thing in their life, still feel as if they should be rich and famous, I don't fucking know. But hey, Charma, good luck with your dinner, hen. Enjoy it, man, right? Maybe do a review of 1901, Bars Iron Brew. Fuck knows, I'm not going to give you ideas. And let's move on quickly to our final story. Um, the pig, where is he? There he is there. Firefighters rescued 30 stone pig from a flat where he ate Chinese takeaways. Maybe it was Charma's pig. I don't know. Let's read on. Uh, another story from Jen Mills. Fucking hell, that's a big pig, man. 
A huge pig had to be put on a stretcher and taken out of an upstairs flat where it was stuck. Two-year-old Twiglet, good name for a pig, who weighs 30 stone, fucking hell, had been advertised as a micro pig and sold for 60 quid. <laughs> to a grandmother who always wanted a pet pig. I would love a pet pig. She's bought a, a 60 pound micro pig. I mean, alarm bells are ringing there. These things go for a grand apiece and she's got one for 60 quid. And it turns out it's a normal pig and it grew to 30 stone. Fucking amazing. The pig slept in a mattress, was toilet trained to use a litter, a litter tray. I cannot imagine what a 30 stone pig using a litter tray must be like. And was fed in Chinese takeaways, chocolate and porridge. That's just abuse, hen. At first she was tiny, but she soon ballooned to be larger than a baby elephant. Despite her size, she lived a life of luxury in the Rotherham flat for two years with owner Elaine Edwards refusing to let anyone make bacon sandwich jokes about her. Why would you make bacon sandwich jokes? Again, this is just a journalist trying to be funny. Fucking stick to the facts. However, when Elaine passed away, aged just 57, poor Elaine, her family were unable to bring Twiglet out of the flat because she was too enormous to get down the stairs. They had to call in the fire service, the RSPCA, and green vets who sedated the Vietnamese potbelly pig so they could carry her down the street, uh, down to street level in a place called Dingington. Six firefighters loaded her onto a baratic stretcher, don't know, and maneuvered her down in an operation that took three hours, three hours, to get a 30 stone pig out of a flat by six firefighters. Let's hope nobody had a house fire during that time. Imagine that. You lose your house, family members, all your belongings. Where were the firemen? They were rescuing a 30 stone pig from a flat. That's right. You burned in a fire while they were serving a pig. Five foot two long. Wow. Twiggle. It's a big pig, man. Five foot two and fucking 30 stone. That's like a 30 stone Kylie Minogue. That's a big pig. Uh, Twiglet is now doing well and has been living at Peppersfield Equine and Poultry Rehabilitation Centre for the last five weeks. She's lost about a stone, stone and a half, after switching her junk food diet to normal animal feed. There you go, man. She's going to be fucking slimmed down. Um, Elaine's granddaughter said, My nan had always wanted a pig ever since she was a little girl, so she bought one uh, for £60 off Facebook. Fucking hell. Alarm bells ringing. I mean, I, I was nervous buying something off eBay from a registered retailer, let alone a pig off Facebook for 60 quid. She was absolutely besotted with Piglet and loved her to death. She was like a member of the family. She's a big fucking pig. It's worked out well in the end. Twiglet has been rescued and she's on the mend. Stone and a half done in just five short weeks. Um, I'm sure the good people at the Metro and the wonderful journalist Jen Mills will keep us abreast of how uh, Twiglet is doing. But, as another episode comes to a draw, that was your news for this episode. We had Angie wear teeth, we had Twiglet the pig, and what was the other one? Karma, the uh, online YouTube eater. Good luck to you all. That was the news. Right, team, we're going to wrap this one up. Um, episode 10 in the bag. 
Thank you to everyone who's listened. Let's drive the numbers as always. It's the usual stuff at the end, man. Um, if you enjoy the podcast, share it. Thank you to everybody who comments, who everyone who's been listening. Even to those of you, like I said, it's only 10 episodes. We've only been doing it for 10 weeks. And those people who got in touch, uh, send them in the images of it appearing on the Spotify end of year roundup, man. That, that was pretty cool to see the podcast on there. So thank you to everyone who has listened. Please continue to do so. Um, easiest way to do it, scottgibsoncomedy.co.uk. All the links to my social medias are on there. Like it on Facebook, it's Scott Gibson Comedy. Instagram, at Big Scott Gibson. Twitter, at Big Scott Gibson. There is a contact page uh, on the website if you want to send me questions. If you don't want to do it in social media and you want it to be anonymous, you can do it there. Uh, if you've got any questions or topics, get in touch. This Sunday, 15th um, in Glasgow, is the Hashtag Show Live. Uh, it is the other podcast that I do with the wonderful Malaka Lee. There are, as I say this, there were a handful of tickets left. I don't know if there'll be any left come Sunday, but if you haven't got it and you want to come along to that, go to the hashtag website and snap your tickets up or take a chance on Sunday and get the few that will be held on the door. Um, I have got a couple of things coming up as well, which we'll talk about more um, over the Christmas period and we'll get some other dates for the tour coming up in 2020 that we'll promote soon. The other big one, next year, March the 7th, I will be at the Classic Grand in Glasgow doing a brand new show. Um, tickets for that are on sale on my website scottgibsoncomedy.co.uk there are tickets left for that so if you haven't got them yet go to the website treat somebody for Christmas give them the gift of laughter Some, something to look forward to you know Christmas day you open up all your presents you rip it all and then the kind of excitement's done but imagine you go here there's another one and there's a ticket to see the big man in March you know you're effectively getting them two and a bit months of joy as they fucking look forward to some new stories for your old dad. So March the 7th, in the Classic Grand, I will be back with a brand new show for 2020 before we take that to the fringe and on the road. So go to the website, get your tickets. Uh, thanks for listening. Please do keep supporting the show. Subscribe to the channels, wherever you get it. SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. And let's grow that up. Thanks for listening. Episode 10. I'll see you in the battlefield soon. Onwards! Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.